Hey everybody, welcome to the Launchpod for Pomona Valley Church. We are a group that's just getting started, becoming a church that follows Jesus into the world together. Since we're still basically launching, this Launchpod is a place to find more about who we hope to be in seasons one to three, and what we're exploring when we're together on Sunday nights here in seasons four and five. For the months of January and February, we are looking at what we and others call our rhythm of life, the things we do as a part of our daily, regular lives that can or cannot sometimes lead us towards Jesus and the life Jesus is calling us to live. We've talked about our rhythm of life before, and we like the concept because we all have a rhythm in which we live our lives. We all have different habits, practices, routines that we engage in over the course of our day. We make coffee, we drive to work or school, we drop off and pick up kids sometimes, or go shopping, we read, watch news. We all have a rhythm. Yes, but I think it's safe to say that we don't all have a rhythm of life. Some of us, it's more a rhythm of anxiety or a rhythm of haste or a rhythm of survival or a rhythm of numbing. We want to talk about how we can build our lives so that our rhythm, whatever it is, leads us towards life so that we can joyfully and sustainably follow Jesus into the world. And that means periodically stopping to take a look at our lives, the ones we're actually living, and ask, is this leading me toward life? And if this isn't working, why not? And what are a couple of things, not 20 things, but a couple of things that right now at this time of my life, I could stop or start or change? Exactly. And to get at this each Sunday, we are talking about some different aspects of what it means to follow Jesus. Each week, we're looking at two that might seem opposed to each other at first glance, and sometimes are treated that way, but that actually are both essential. This past week, for example, we talked about relationship and solitude. You can listen to last week's sermon if you'd like some background on where we're heading right now. Every week, we want to talk a bit more about some concrete examples of practices that might help us engage more intentionally in the areas we explored together, in this case, relationship and solitude. What are some examples of things that you and I might want to try as part of our rhythm? So if, for example, we feel like we need to focus more intentionally on solitude at this time in our lives, that the pace or the noise of our lives is actually preventing us from living life with Jesus— And some intentional solitude and silence might be a really good experiment to work right now. Our hope is that uh, these practices or practices like them might be something each of us would try this week. And that by experimenting with them over the coming weeks, we might get to a point on the last week of February to make some decisions about what to start or stop or adjust in the months ahead. Yeah, this is all leading up to February 23rd, where we're going to spend some time pulling it all together and running some experiments with our rhythm of life for the month of March. For some of our group, this might mean a lot of change. For some of our group, this might be tiny little adjustments. And you can listen along wherever you are and try it out too. So this week, we have three ideas for some solitude practices and three ideas for some relationship practices. Where do you want to start? Let's start with relationship. What's what's our first practice there? Our first practice idea was to send the text. Send the text message to a person that you know you'd like to grow in relationship with. And the reality of our relationships is they are not all equally strong or equally deep. We have people that we know as acquaintances and some that are friends, but others still that are close and dear friends, practically family. And if you imagine a friendship spectrum, 
from having just met to being soulmates. The text you send will be appropriate to the degree to which you know the person, but it's something that might invite them just a little bit further. So, hey, we're acquainted, but I'd love if we could catch up sometime soon. Or, hey, we are deep friends, but it's been a while, and I really want to know how you're doing. For people you know more, it might be a text that just expresses your gratitude for them. For someone who's new, it might just be the thing that reminds them that they're on your radar and you're glad you're getting to know each other. But all too often, we go through our day all on our own, and the simple practice of sending the text keeps us connected to folks that can become an important part of our relational world as we follow Jesus together. So to make this really concrete, I have to confess a nerdy expression of this practice for me. For the last year or more, every month, I take a look at the month that's coming ahead and look at things I hope I get through in the coming weeks and tasks that matter to me or appointments I need to keep. But in addition to that, I literally write out a list of my friends. I try to remember all of them as best I can. I include on that list potential friends, people I'm getting to know. I write out all their names. And then I have this checklist of sorts of things I'm doing, hopefully by the end of the month, things I hope to do every week and things I hope to do daily. On that weekly line, for the last yeah year or more, I have written down, get in touch with friends. And I look once a week to say, did I reach out? And usually that is, I just send a text. But I find if I do it every week, that's what keeps me seeing friends face-to-face. Because by the time I send a text, and then they get the chance to reply whenever it fits for them, and then we say we should, hey, maybe try to catch up. And eventually it gets it on the calendar. And it's been a really important practice to help me find how I'm connecting with friends and how we're talking about our life and faith in a regular way. Otherwise, I think that the pace of my life, parenting and the things my younger kids need and tiredness I feel at the end of the day, that would all get the better of me. And I think I would find myself quite lonely, um, which is actually how this version of the practice evolved for me was realizing I didn't want to feel lonely and I could have something to help mitigate that. So that's my version, a highly systematized expression of send the text. <laughs> it's really easy to just have that slip away and not ever get the process started. Exactly. All right. Our second idea for a relationship practice is be appropriately vulnerable. And this kind of goes along with what Meredith was saying, that there are different degrees of friendship or relationship that you might have with another person. And the idea here is not to totally throw the uh, boundaries of appropriate interaction out the window, but rather to say, like, what is an appropriate amount of vulnerability to express with this particular person? The goal being, how can I further this relationship? Being vulnerable is one of those things that just makes people get closer to one another. And it allows us to um, kind of test people out, so to speak, where we can be appropriately vulnerable and then see if that person's a safe person to be more vulnerable with. And often that will invite that person being vulnerable in return. And those are the sorts of things that really develop a relationship. Yeah, I was thinking about how as we are going to be spending a time in conversation through the day with someone, it could be as simple as before you meet up. Checking in with yourself to say, how am I really? And you answer that for yourself. And then you might just think, could I share that with this person in some way? Because we have a lot of routines in our social world that has everybody saying that everything is fine and glossy and good. And the more that we are vulnerable, 
about the places that aren't and the things we're really experiencing, the more we find ourselves in authentic relationships with others that let us support one another, care for one another, pray for one another. And not coincidentally, living the one another's is a core part of who we want to be as a church group. So that's the second practice is be appropriately vulnerable. And it kind of leads right into the third one, which is to offer or ask for help. I think this one might be even more uncomfortable than considering ways to be appropriately vulnerable. I think asking how can I help or will you help me are two really hard questions. We are a culture that values self-sufficiency and independence, and asking for help can make us feel like a burden. Asking how we can help someone else might make us feel like we're prying into their life, but helping one another is part of how we live truly connected. In the time since we've moved to Claremont, we have done a whole lot of work on our house, which was a disaster when we moved in, Um, and I am not the best at asking for help. It's probably somewhere that I could stand to grow a little bit. Maybe this is a practice I need to uh, (laughs) engage with over this next season of life. Here, here. (laughs) Um, But this past couple weeks, we've done a lot of work on the yard, including getting rid of the giant pile of trash that has been sitting behind our garage for the last, oh, six months. Here, here. (laughs) And that was a piece where uh, I was able to ask for help from other members of our community. We had a few uh, guys that came over to help get rid of the trash and the broken down leaky shed that was in our backyard and put it all in a giant dumpster and get it carted away. And here's what's interesting. They actually first said, we'd be happy to help you. And our first inclination was to say, oh, thanks, but actually plan to do that project ourselves. And ultimately coming back to saying they offered to help, let's believe them and ask if they would help. But that took practice and intentionality to do that. And then it was a really fun day. And just our affection and gratitude for these friends of ours grows because that was a big old dumpster. (laughs) So those are our three suggestions for practices that people might want to try in being more intentional about relationship in this next season. Send the text, be appropriately vulnerable, and ask for or offer help. So now what about the other side? Solitude. What do we got on that side of the ledger? Our first idea, as we consider ways we might cultivate more silence and or solitude into our regular life, would be to simply choose the quiet. There are a lot of times that we could choose to be quiet while we're doing our regular day, but we often find ourselves filling that space with something entertaining or engaging. Do you know how many podcasts I have backed up on my phone right now? Yes, exactly. And therefore, that means that if Curtis is doing the dishes, a podcast is on. If he's doing yard work, a podcast is on. And they're great and they're fun. But if you're looking for a little more silence in your life, maybe you just find out where you've put noise on and turn it back off again. I know for a really long time, I drove in the car without the radio. Because the only choice in the car at the time was the radio or not the radio. Nowadays, there's more ways that I can fill that car time and I also turn to podcasts and I love them. But I also know that I am not having as much silence in my day because the quiet of the car used to provide some margin to think my thoughts and feel my feelings and pray and connect to God. So if you also are finding that you're looking for a little more silence and you don't know if you have extra time to create it, maybe think about making the time you already have quieter. 
Yeah, this one's really simple. But like we said this past weekend, sometimes it's not about the amount of time that we are in solitude so much as the intentionality of actually choosing to use that time in a certain way to listen to God or to listen to our own thoughts or whatever it might be. Our second idea for a practice that could cultivate solitude and silence is to go somewhere pretty. This is one of my favorites. I find that um, when I'm either hiking up in the mountains, when I'm at the beach and just kind of sitting there watching the waves, I find when I can go to those sorts of places and just be and sit and listen, uh, it, it just allows my brain, I don't know what it is, but it just opens my brain to listen for God and to be with God in a way that sitting in my car or sitting at home just doesn't. So this year for Curtis's birthday, I found one of our local Christian camps that offers a small cabin for pastors for free for the night. And the night before his birthday, I kicked him out and sent him up there. And he stayed up in the mountains for the night. And then the next day, he just went off climbing and thankfully had the foresight to send me a screen grab of where he was on the mountain since he was alone and nowhere near a road. So I was grateful for that part. But the view was amazing. There's something to figuring out where you can go that's pretty and to enjoy that beauty alone. And it doesn't always have to be out in nature. You might have a favorite coffee shop or a walk around your neighborhood that you enjoy and that getting to do that thing, being in that pretty space, just helps you create a little more margin to hear from God. So that's number two. And then what's our last one, Meredith? Our last idea for a practice of silence and solitude comes from Dallas Willard. And I heard of it through Emily P. Freeman. So it is in many, many ways not original. Dallas Willard used to say that when he wanted to really hear from God, he would spend a few minutes in stillness asking God in a simple, regular way for what he wanted. And then he would finish that time of prayer and he would go do something like wash dishes or load and fold laundry. Something where his hands were busy, but his mind was blank. And he said that when he really wanted to hear from God, he'd spend about 10 minutes talking to God about what it was, and then about an hour being busy with things that didn't occupy his mind, just his hands. And that would be our suggestion for you, that maybe when you have just some simple chores hanging out in your space, you could start by asking God whatever it is that's on your mind, and then do that thing in quiet. And see if God doesn't speak to your thoughts through that time ahead of you. So those are our three for solitude. Choose silence, go somewhere pretty, and be like Dallas Willard. (laughs) All right. So Meredith, what can people do coming out of this podcast, given that do all six isn't quite what we're going for? No. Is it? No. Super, super no. I think this is when you as a listener consider what you want. Do you want more quiet? Do you want more real connection with people? Do you want more of both? And then you pick one thing you can do, ideally, today or tomorrow. And if it's got to be short, then pick the ones that are short. And you just make sure you do the thing. So we're very much a fan when it comes to Rhythm of Life about thinking of small, concrete adjustments that already fit with what you want and how your regular life goes. Massive overhauls to your schedule that you somehow think are more spiritual are bound to leave you confused, overwhelmed, unsure if God's doing what God's supposed to do. So turning off a podcast during your commute is way more likely to succeed than getting up a half an hour or an hour earlier so you can sit in silence before God, for example. Exactly. So 
What do you want? What's one thing you could try today or tomorrow? That's my advice. And we're going to be continuing to explore other areas of practice and offering other suggestions for how to try those things out as we spend the next six weeks looking at building our rhythm of life. Thanks for listening to The Launch Pod. We hope these ideas are helpful for you as you experiment with building a joyful and sustainable rhythm in the next season. We would love to see you if you're local on Sunday afternoons. We meet for worship at 4.30 with dinner at 5.30. You can come just for worship. You can come just for food. That's totally allowed. If you want, you can connect with us via email, Church at gmail.com. The church is on Instagram at Pomona Valley Church. And if you ever need our home address, just send us a DM or an email. We'd love to make sure you know how to find us. Until next time, we love you all. Bye. Bye.